Hello, I'm Mark McCurgo and welcome to the Village in the City podcast, helping you build micro-local community where you live. This second podcast takes us back to the summer of 2020 when I was talking to Lara Cellini. Lara lives like me in Edinburgh in Scotland. She's a humanist celebrant by trade and she's also a great community organiser in her area of Willowbray. At this time the pandemic lockdown was in pretty full swing but nonetheless Lara has lots to share about how to connect people even under those circumstances. Off we go. So welcome everyone to call two of the Village in the City project and we're going to talk about village building today with our special guest Lara uh, who's here from Willowbray which is about two or three miles away from where I am in the west end of Edinburgh and Lara's been at this village building lark for for some years now it turns out and she's got all sorts of exciting stuff uh, to share about what she's been doing. Lara You've been working away in Willowbray. Tell us a little bit about Willowbray and what kind of place it is and where it is and, and what you've got, got you involved with building community there. Thanks, Mark. So Willowbray is a suburb in Edinburgh. We're on the east side of the city, um, about one and a half kilometres from Portobello. So in my mind, we kind of live between the city, the hill and the sea. Um, so it's a, a geographic community. Um, you know, people people that live here would, would certainly kind of have an idea of, of what it covers on a map. Um, and can people see my slides at the moment? Yes, fantastic. So these are some of my neighbours here in Willowbray, and I'm actually really pleased to be joined by two of my fellow village builders in Willowbray, which is Sam and Hazel, who I would like to chip in if they want to at any point as well. Um, so they've been a fantastic support in, in helping to build our village. So how did you get involved, Lara? How long the way you... that I got involved actually was um, initially making friends with my immediate next door neighbours who've since moved to the States. Um, but when they first moved to the neighbourhood, I think in around about 2012, um, they were really good at inviting people over to the, their house, in fact, to, to introduce themselves. Uh, and we had a very lovely social evening with them. Um, and so the, we became really good friends and they would water the plants while we were on holiday and so on. And we got talking about the fact that it would be really nice to know more of our neighbours because we actually didn't really know anyone that lived on our street at the time. So we had talked about having maybe hosting a barbecue or something social. And then at more or less the same time, we heard about Eden Project Community's Big Lunch, um, which is a big national event that happens every year in June and um, which encourages neighbours to get together and share lunch so it's a really really simple um, concept and so we decided in 2014 that we would organise one of these big lunches and rather than starting small which would be one approach um, we actually just decided to go for it and actually managed to get permission from the council to close our street and host a big lunch. Um, so that was the beginnings of it all and we've actually had one every year since then this year would have been our seventh one had it not been for covid um, so we had to put that on the the back burner but this um basically everyone that lives in our community um is a member of our village and um, these are some of our neighbors at our one of our big lunches and we also include our pets in that too and one of the really lovely things that we've done is have this hashtag, Pets of Willowbree, 
which has also been a nice way of, of engaging neighbours as well to share photographs of their pets. Um, you know, we get to know the names of the pets as, as well as the people in our neighbourhood. What I would also say is that although we're a geographic community, we actually do have quite a lot of honorary members as well. We don't have bouncers at our events, so anyone's welcome to come along. So people that don't live here, but who work in the neighbourhood or who have close friends and family often become part of this village as well. In terms of meeting spaces, um, this can, can be a challenge when you're looking for an indoor meeting space, um, because like a lot of communities, there, are, there, you know, there aren't lots of them. Um, and the other challenge is that they often cost money to hire. So one of the best places for us to meet, um, especially during lockdown, um, but even before that has actually been on our streets because it's free and it's easy to organize. And we're in the fortunate position where a lot of people have maybe a small patch of garden or a little bit of pavement where that is possible. And I appreciate that that won't be possible in every area. So you have to think creatively about where those meeting spaces. Um, the only problem with meeting on the street is obviously the weather and our big lunch, which has happened on the first Sunday in June every year, apart from this year, um, is very weather dependent, but there is no plan B when you're expecting about 130 people to turn up. So it goes ahead regardless of the weather. And you can see here um, that if, if need be, we'll put on our anoraks and get our umbrellas out. Um, this year we weren't able to organise our usual street party, so we got, a, we got an ice cream van to come and visit us instead. And we all st stood at the two metre physical distancing and, and queued up for our ice creams and treats. So that was just another nice way to get people um, out on the street and, and chatting to each other as well. Other meeting places that we've identified locally have included our local bowling club. Um, useful because it's got quite a big kind of multi-purpose space. It's got tables and chairs for people to sit and chat um, or to, to craft. In this case, um, people got involved in decorating cotton shopper bags and there was some screen printing, which Sam kindly organised. We were able to share food and have access to a kitchen where we could boil kettles and so on. So that's a really great space that we can use. Unfortunately, it does cost money to hire, and that is the higher price has doubled in the, in the last few years. Um, and because we want to keep our events free to, to access, um, we have done some fundraising to cover some of those costs. And occasionally we've also asked for donations, but we've never actually charged for participation because we've never wanted that to be a barrier. Other places to meet are a local pub. If you have one, um, we're lucky to have a local pub in Willowbury. And it's also worth chatting to the people that run these businesses um, to see if they will support your community. And in this case, we were very lucky that the local pub um, not only reserved table for us, tables for us to host a death cafe, um, but also allowed us to bring in our own food and provided free tea and coffee as well. So it's really worth trying to nurture relationships with, with local businesses. We also are fortunate to have a community centre in our area, um, which is walking distance. Um, again, it's quite difficult to get access to the facilities in the community centre, 
because it's quite busy. Um, and so it's booked up for classes and so on. And it also costs money to hire. And I found that it's closed on a Sunday, which was one of the days we would have liked to run events. So there are some challenges there, but even so, it is a resource. And Sam, who's on the call today, um, used to be on the community council and did some fantastic work organizing local events that everyone could, could come along to that were free to participate in. And we did things like celebrate Chinese New Year, involve local children in a big crafting project. You can see the dragon's head there. Um, and we also had some celebrations around Eid um, and a really creative project involving a glass artist as well. So but another option is to speak to your local community council to see what funding and support is available for local events too. We also have a local flower shop that's been very supportive and um, has provided us donated flowers for things like our baking competition that we had one year um, and has also donated flowers to brighten up events such as our Kaylee. Um, she, she created a beautiful flower arrangement for that as well and also uses has offered her um, workshop room at the back of her shop for small events and, and is actually somewhere where people can go and take part in things like creating these, these um, Christmas wreaths in the run up to Christmas as well. In terms of communication, which is obviously really, really important if you're trying to build your village and make those connections with your neighbours, I have to say that initially the thing that worked best was knocking on doors, introducing myself. Um, and this is what I did back in 2014. I printed off some pretty handmade black and white flyers on my home computer and delivered them to over a hundred households locally to ask if there was an appetite to do something um, and hosted the first planning meeting that we had as well. So that was a really good way to do that initially was knocking on doors and posting flyers in people's, people, through people's letter boxes. Uh, I have to say that over the years, um, there's been a, you know, a bigger team has grown to do that. And last year I felt quite guilty because it's the first time that I didn't actually deliver any of the flyers and it was all done by other friends and neighbours. So it just goes to show that, you know, over time you can really lessen the burden by delegating that and bringing other people on board. But initially I did do a, a lot of the legwork. We're also very fortunate to have lots of technology that make communicating with people a lot easier. Challenges obviously that people are comfortable using different forms of technology. Not everyone has access to it as well. Um, but we do have an active Facebook group and also a Facebook page. Um, we also have a mailing list for a local newsletter which keeps people up to date with things that are happening. Um, we use the Facebook events fun function to promote events. Um, and it's been fantastic to see um, local street level WhatsApp groups being set up really quite organically. Uh, and Sam, who's on the call today, has, has one for her street and they've done some really wonderful things during lockdown to support each other, you know, to organize all going out on the street to sing happy birthday for a neighbor's birthday and that type of thing. Um, and also just banners and posters um, are really useful too. And they can be really quite homemade. We have, this is one of our big banners that we put out on the outside railings uh, every year in the run up to our winter warmer. It just, it's a big visual reminder to let our neighbours know 
um, that it's happening. So it doesn't have to be high tech, it can be something as simple as that. Then during, or just before the lockdown was imposed actually, um, we also managed to deliver about 150 of these kindness cards um, locally. Um, and in fact, probably a lot more than that because there was another WhatsApp group that printed off huge copy, numbers of copies of this. So they were delivered far and wide and we made a stack available of them at the local supermarket as well for anyone else to, to pick up and use locally too. Um, so that was a really nice thing to do. Um, I have to say, actually, I didn't get much response in terms of people wanting help, but I got a lot of text messages from people offering help, which was really nice as well. Um, windows. Windows are a great way for communicating as well, we found. And I'm sure people have seen the, the, you know, the colourful rainbows um, across the city, you know, supporting our key workers. Um, and our neighbourhood's been, been full of them and it's really made our neighbourhood walks so much more interesting. Um, more recently, there's been a lot of teddy bears being put in people's windows and that's really to support children that are going into nursery school or transitioning into primary one that they're going on this bear hunt um, in their neighbourhood. So, so that's something that people um, participated in too. If, if anyone's interested, there is a kind of Window Wonderland website, um, which is really about promoting using your window to turn your neighbourhood into effectively a gallery. Uh, and there's some great examples of things that people have done with their windows. And we at the moment also have a lot of Black Lives Matter posters out in windows in the neighbourhood too. In terms of making things happen, I think, Mark, you call them hosts. Um, we, we, I don't know, we've called them community organisers. They're basically just friends and neighbours that, that make things happen. Um, and generally speaking, people are just so willing to muck in if you ask them. Um, and it's been really fantastic over the years. So for example, the big lunch it has come to the point now when, where we don't really have to ask for much help because people know what to do because it's become a bit of an annual tradition so people will arrive early, they'll help decorate the street, they'll put up hunting, they'll bring tables and chairs and so on and so that's been been really nice and obviously we can use the communication tools that we've got to ask for, for help so for example things like volunteer stewards and first aiders not that we've ever needed them um, but these are things that we've asked for when we've been organising our annual street parties. So you'll see in the picture here in the top left-hand corner, that's 2014, our very first um, planning meeting that we held. Uh, and that was just the result of a paper flyer that was put through people's doors saying, here's a date, here's the time. If you're free and you're interested, please turn up for a, a cup of tea and a chat about what we can do together as a neighbourhood. We always try and make all the gatherings that we have as inclusive as possible. Um, I mentioned earlier, we try not to create any barriers to participation, so we don't charge money for people to come along. Um, we obviously try and make them as accessible physically as possible as well. Um, th these are pictures that were taken at one of our street parties. And as you can see, face painting is not just for kids. <laughs> they seem to enjoy decorating all the adults. And a big part of those gatherings is food. Um, and that's a really nice, simple thing that you can do. 
post-COVID <laughs> is share food. Um, and again, it doesn't require a lot of organisation. We just ask people to bring stuff to share and it's always worked incredibly well. And this is the best use I have found yet of my ironing board. So again, it's about keeping things really simple. And if you don't have a table to put out on the street, most people have an, an ironing board that, that will serve really well as a table for all sorts of things. Another way to get your neighbours involved in activity is actually in participating in more creative things and also in the preparation. So for example, in the preparation for our street party, um, Sam, who's on this call, kindly organised uh, a bunting making workshop and cut up old sheets to make these fantastic flags and lots of people were involved in, in decorating them and really took some ownership of, of the decorations for that celebration as well. And they've been great. We've actually, I think we've dug them out every year. Um, they go back up on the street again. Here are some of the children, children helping to decorate the street with the bunting that they helped to make. Um, we even got a visit from the community police officers. It's the first time I've ever seen them. Um, I think they were maybe enticed by the free cake. And the key thing about making the events inclusive is actually just making them fun and really relaxed. So with our street party, we've never done any fundraising. We've never had a theme. People haven't had to had to prepare anything. It's just a case of turning up and, and socialising and getting to know your neighbours. Other meeting spaces that we've used are our local church hall. Uh, again, unfortunately, there is a higher charge attached to that. Um, in this case, we were able to successfully do a bit of fundraising, which covered the cost of hiring the, the, the hall and also someone to provide some music and a caller so that we could all do some Kaylee dancing. Um, again, this venue was great because it had access to a kitchen, so we could make tea and coffee. Um, it was also wheelchair accessible as well. So all things that were important to us and just a really nice way for people to spend time together. This isn't actually in our village, I suppose. It's actually probably in what we would call our neighboring village in Buddingston, but actually a lot of people from, from our neighbourhood were involved and the local school was very actively involved as well. And I just thought it was an, another nice example of something you can do, which is a lantern procession. So, you know, everyone was involved in making these fabulous lanterns and then we processed in a distance with them and then set them on fire. And this is a, a more recent example, which I thought was wonderful. Um, which actually Sam was behind, so I take no credit for it, but I absolutely love it. So this cardboard cutout is actually um, a, a painting or, a, is it a painting, Sam? What is it made out of? <laughs> Not sure. Anyway, this is a cardboard cutout of someone who lives on that street and who had just returned home from, from university. So this is what he was greeted with. Uh, and that cardboard cutout was then recycled to become the local quiz master and now lives in one of the windows, which is very visible to anyone walking past. Uh, and you'll regularly find different questions being posed there. So that's a bit of fun. And again, because everyone has a window, um, you can have fun with your windows by putting something like this in your window and making it a point of interest. And another um, more creative activity that we that we had for which involved lots of people children and adults 
um, during lockdown was actually inviting them to make cards and pictures which were then delivered to the local care home. It was a really lovely thing to do and I think even beyond lockdown is a really nice way of involving people in a creative project because the reality is actually that a lot of people in, in care homes, um, even, even before COVID, um, there's a large percentage of them that actually don't get any visitors at all, even under normal circumstances. So this was a nice way of, of reaching out. And again, we were posting pictures on our Facebook page as well to, to celebrate some of the contributions that were made. Um, yep, creative projects. Um, these are the cotton shopper bags that people were decorating, uh, which is a really cheap thing to do to buy cotton shopper bags in bulk and provide some pens for people to decorate them and a really nice takeaway and social activity that you can do around a table. And this was actually just last weekend. We had our second jumble trail, um, which again, a lovely inclusive activity for people to actually get rid of stuff that they don't want anymore and also maybe to pick up something that they might enjoy. So the idea here was just that people would put stuff out on the street for, for neighbours to help themselves to. And again, we use the Facebook page um, to post, you know, which streets were putting stuff out, where to find it, and, and perhaps some indication of what they were putting out as well. Um, now, again, that won't always be possible depending where you live, but certainly organising things like swishing events or a swap um, might be possible to do that. Well, it is possible to do that indoors as well on an organised date and time. And finally, I'm going to leave you with this example of another hopefully inclusive activity which will actually be happening this coming weekend when neighbours will get together outside to do some weeding. Uh, Again, just a nice way of doing something really practical um, and hopefully reducing the need for the council to spray glyphosate all over our neighbourhood. So that's a, a positive spin-off there as well. So that's what we're doing this weekend. And hopefully at the end of that hour of weeding, we're going to get together and show off how many weeds we've managed to dig up. Um, so that's a whistle-stop tour of some of the things that we've done in Willow Bray as a neighbourhood. You're listening to the Village in the City podcast, helping you build micro-local community where you live. Lots more details about the project and how to join us, join in with our calls and resources at villageinthecity.net. Village in the city, all one word, dot net. We carried on talking to Lara and there were questions from the audience on the call. The first question came from Sean, who's based in the Bay Area of San Francisco on the West Coast, of the United States. So, Sean, yes. Yeah, um, a question as you start, what's a good way to start uh, organizing a, a village? That's a great question. What do you think, Lara? I think the best way to start is just speaking to people and finding out who your neighbors are. The way that I did it was just by hosting a meeting um, for anyone that was interested to come along to that meeting to talk about what we could do in our neighborhood. And if you were able to host that meeting, either in your own home or perhaps somewhere locally, I think that would probably be a really good, good starter for you. I'm just getting started here in the West End and I discovered there was a Facebook group with 19 people in it for local residents. And so I went and had a chat with the guys who were running it 
and we decided to get some leaflets and uh, put some posters on lampposts. And now we've got over 200 in the Facebook group at, from three weeks ago. So, so that's uh, that's another way. Uh, if you you know, right now meeting is not easy, but getting a forum uh, and letting people know about it is another way. Uh, Richard, Richard has his hand up there. Yeah. So, hi everyone. I'm 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 Richard. I was just um, I'm going to be talking about um, so getting started next. In fact, at the next monthly gathering. And first of all, congratulations to. Lara for a brilliant presentation it's really impressive and it can be quite intimidating if you're getting from scratch you see this wonderful organization doing all these events and you think how on earth can I get to that level and so one one thing is to sort of be moderate in your expectations early on don't feel you failed if only six people come or 16 you know I've, I've organized events to which a thousand people have come and I've organized events to which I'm the only person who showed up so it can it can go in both directions but one, one thing I'd say is a good way to get started is like to try and sort of do a, a sort of review of what's going on in your area already so like look at local you know and you sort of what else is going on look on the library notice board do google searches meetup groups facebook groups you know there may be traditional sort of posh groups like women's institute and there may be scout leaders and sports clubs and youth clubs and if you sort of see who's doing what you really need to make those people your allies and friends go and see them say how can you help because some people may be sort of a bit possessive and think well I'm what I'm doing is working fine you know if you need to approach people gently so so that was my comment is like see who's doing what and just go and see the sort of community leaders and offer to help them because typically the sort of people who run youth clubs and community groups will be happy that you approach them if you do it right and um, but I had one question for you Lara which I was going to ask before the question about how to get started which was did you manage to get any contacts with local media with journalists or like get, getting no it's on? not something we've actually tried to do because we haven't had we haven't had an agenda of trying to promote anything at all mm -hmm. um, it really has just been a very simple case of people wanting to get to know each other more and connect with each other more and um, so we haven't approached or involved local media at all um, mm -hmm. And thank, thank you also about just about managing expectations there as well about, you know, there's absolutely nothing wrong with starting small. In fact, it's probably quite sensible um, to do so. And, and you're right, we are living in, in different times now. So meeting is, is not really that practical. Um, but I think it's probably worth saying that, that um, you can also meet online now as well. And people are probably more comfortable than they ever have been in meeting in the way that we're meeting just now. And um, Hazel, who's also on this call, um, has helped us in our neighbourhood to set up a transition streets group, which is all about reducing our environmental impact and living, uh, uh, you know, trying to reduce our carbon footprint and so on, but doing it together as a neighbourhood. And we had our first meeting um, last night, in fact, and we did that over Zoom. And we are going to meet as a group of neighbours to work through that programme now every two weeks on Zoom until the end of October. So that is another way to, to do things as well. Well, well we, we can't, um, you know, it's not practical to meet in person or not in large numbers. So it, that would be something that would be worth exploring as well. Yeah, well, a couple of other points is that quite often as you get these things started, you start, you, quite often you do it with a few friends, people you know well, or you get to know people. So the sort of the early adopters, the people who get started become friends. And it's really 
important to imagine your meeting through each meeting through the eyes of a first-time user who might be a bit shy, a first-time user, a first-time arrivee, and they don't know anyone. They're feeling a bit cautious. And quite often, some people, it's quite a big step even to show up. And I always say for things I organize, you, you have to make it work for the shy person who doesn't know anyone. Because if it works for that young man or woman or old lonely pensioner, it'll work for the confident people. And so you have to be really careful to say, look, if you're meeting, your friends are going, don't make your public meetings the time to hang out with your friends. Focus on the strangers, the people who are, it's a really important rule for inclusivity. And the other thing is to use technology that quite often a lot of events, even ones like these um, Zoom meetings, you can get people to fill in a question as they sign up saying like, asking an open question like, how can you help? And so people, and you know, you make, need to make sure that people realize it's not commercial. It's not like they're, you're not a service provider who's like offering them something and they're there as a consumer, like a shopper thinking, how good is this? You have to get that culture that, you know, this is something we're building together. It's not, and it's, you have to do that multiple ways to manage expectations. And I don't want to talk too much, but those are just a couple of comments. No, thank you, Richard. I think that's they're really, really important, valid points. And and yes, I have to say that some of the neighbours that I've worked with over the years have become very, very close friends now as well. So it is more than just a group of neighbours. It has become a friendship circle for lots of us as well. And it's just it is just really lovely to be able to put names to faces and just to know a little bit about people. The very first time that we organised our big lunch and street party um, I had very enthusiastically bought a, a roll of sticky labels and sharpie pens so that people could write down their name and their street and, and wear it and the first person who's um, never actually seen my immediately opposite neighbour before ever on the street and speaking to him for the first time um, at that gathering and discovered that he was looking into my living room and I could look into his living room I'd watch them watch tv um, but hadn't put two and two together so it's just a, it is really nice to break down those those barriers and and you do want a softly softly approach approach especially at the beginning and that's why you know when it's hard now because we can't do that at the beginning sharing food and those very informal relaxed gatherings were the way that we built those connections in the first instance Thanks, Laura. So, David, you have a you have a question point. Yeah, I'm just curious about the scale of things. Apologise for my funny accent. Um, the uh, the scale of things that you're doing, Lara. Thanks for your presentation. Um, uh, sort of uh, geographically, uh, kind of you know, how do you how do you define a neighbourhood? Uh, um, how how far you know those kinds of questions. That's uh, I'm curious about. I can only answer from, from my own experience, and this has just kind of grown quite organically. Initially, the neighbourhood was just as far as I could be bothered walking with those flyers. Um, so it, it was about maybe five streets that were all kind of adjacent to the street that I live on. Um, so that, that's really, that, that was it. That's how it began. Um, then we set up the Facebook group. Then more people got involved in delivering flyers, so our reach became became bigger because they, you know, they were reaching further into the neighbourhood. There's also been quite a lot of word of mouth as well and actually even just people passing us when we were having the street party, if you were walking past or driving past, it was quite obvious that something was happening and people are nosy um, and so you know, word got out that we were doing these, these annual street parties 
and since then other streets have started to do them as well um, but it's not an it's really not an exact science and some people have stumbled across the facebook page that are quite a distance from me but they're still walking distance so i think i had this conversation with mark i think very roughly it's a group of people that are kind of all in walking distance, whatever that is. But it, it's kind of, I think it's got very messy borders, to be honest. I'm not entirely sure. Yeah, I think that's a, that's a good point. I think walking distance is really crucial. Now, in, for all I know, David may be in rural Canada and, uh, uh, and you know, the next people are 10 miles away, but that's going to be a bit different. But um, I think in, in a city context, I think walk, 10 minutes walk, 10 minutes walk should take in pre a pretty big boundary actually and so and certainly in Edinburgh there are identifiable bits we've got people from all sorts of different bits of Edinburgh here like Liberton, Craigleith, um, uh, Polwart uh, and, and so on and these are all relatively contained places it wouldn't take you much more than 10 minutes to walk across them. Uh, I would add that it does work at a really kind of micro street level as well so what what's really grown out of the kind of the bigger Willowbray group which is our neighborhood is is street level whatsapp groups that are organizing stuff on a, on very much a street level um so for example sam who who's in, in one of those street level groups and um, they've done some really lovely things during lockdown that really only their street have been involved in um, and i guess in other parts of the city that might look like only one tenement block or one block of flats as well, because that seems like a, a manageable number. I would definitely think start small and, the, and then let it grow from there. Um, but I mean, Sam Street, it was a really nice example um, where someone was celebrating a birthday and she really loves puffins. So I think Sam organized for all the neighbors on that street to put pictures of puffins in their window and then they all came out at an assigned time and sang happy birthday to their neighbor. And it was just such a really lovely thing to do. And you wouldn't do that, you know, the whole neighborhood wouldn't do that. It wouldn't be appropriate. We wouldn't all know her that well, but on a street level, that was a really lovely gesture. And so I think it's nice to do things on a street level or a block of apartments or whatever it is, and because you're more likely to have that closer connection, the closer you are physically to people and you're also more likely to bump into them more often and see them more often as well. Yeah, I think certainly from here, um, it started the other way around. We had it, we, we developed a street WhatsApp group in the lockdown. And I thought that's good. How can we expand that? And here we are with villages in the city. So, so it can work in all sorts of ways. Uh, there was a, a hand went up somewhere with Sophie. Yes. Yeah. Also, congratulations. It was very inspiring and um, a marvelous presentation with lots of good ideas. Uh, thank you for that. Um, it, just uh, one comment and two questions. So I think maybe this village in the city concept is not necessarily about where we live. It could also be workplaces, uh, right? At universities, whatever. And that makes it quite interesting because I've, I've, I've done a little bit of similar things, but at universities with lots of problems with violence and youth violence. And we created small villages that visited each other and it started to grow. So it was one big village, but it started like village activities. So to think of it as a way of, um, and as how can we say some uh, mythology, 
strategy, mythology to create other narratives and to have another way of interact is also quite interesting. So it's still in walking distance. It's just that you have to go to the workplace first <laughs> or you have to go to university first and then you walk around. So maybe it was just an idea. And two questions. You mentioned that in the windows, people use the windows as kind of a gallery, which is a wonderful idea. And, but you also mentioned that a lot of people were using it now for Black Lives Matters and um, topics like that. So I wonder, um, how do you manage if there's like political divisions and it create division instead of of um, um how can we say it yeah I, to be honest i don't have any experience of that political division in our, our neighborhood it's quite cohesive in that that respect and just it's just not something that i'm i'm aware of to be honest so i don't have any experience of that okay um, but i do think your your earlier point about you know creating community whether that's in a workplace or in a university uh, that's what we're trying to do in our, our neighbourhood is, is a really valuable thing to do and in, in all cases it really comes down to a sense of belonging as well and I think that's what we you know we try to do with the events that we organise with the creative projects that Sam's been organising it's all about creating that sense of belonging and an ownership um, and, and involvement and any kind of activity that you do together and that has a bit of common purpose it's a lovely thing and I have to add the Black Lives Matter thing um, you know the, the posters and stuff that people are putting in their windows they're just doing that off their own back that's not something that we've organized um, in the same way that we didn't organize for people to put rainbows um, in their windows but what we have done is we've amplified and celebrated those things through things like the newsletter and the Facebook page uh, as well but I guess it, you really depends on your neighbourhood or the, the place that you're operating in and what's going to work. I saw that Edward is here as well somewhere. Edward runs something called Fregal, um, which is another another nice thing I think that we can do in neighbourhoods is, is kind of create this kind of sharing economy uh, and that's another really worthwhile activity that you know people can get behind because there's something in it for them. They can get, they can get give away things that they don't need they can get things that they do need. So we, we had the jumble trail, which was a really nice thing to do, to wander about your neighborhood and get rid of stuff. And I got a lovely vase and a movie to watch and a, a new tea mug. So I was quite happy. I picked up a few things. Um, and at the end of it all, we were like, well, if you've got stuff left, keep it for the next jumble trail or you know, pass it on through Fregal um, or through other sites like that as well so it's again these are nice activities that you can do um, that are also environmentally responsible and i suppose that the thing that we're trying to do with all of our activities is make them inclusive and low impact um, and with a sense of, of care for the world that we live in as well have, have you had any experience uh, um, of people needing rules needing sorry rules some rules yeah, I mean, so we don't have any, I mean, we are, we are not, um, we are not a formal organisation, we're not a charity, we're, we're not, we don't have any constitution, we don't have any rules at all, um, apart from sort of common courtesy um, as such, and we don't have a kind of governance, governance structure or a leader or anything, it really is just a, a group of people coming together to do stuff, and I suppose that's worked quite well because we've attracted people that, 
that you know want to do those things so it's all been really really positive i guess depending on the neighborhood that you live in you might feel that you would benefit from having some sort of rules if you want to call them that or working principles um, I, I think there, there, are, there, is, there is something that I put on our Facebook page, but I wouldn't call it rules. It's more just like, kind of, this is what it's for um, to make sure that the content's appropriate. But other than that, no, we, we don't have any rules. But I'd be interested to hear what other people think about that. Yeah, I, I ask because sometimes the people I have worked with, they asked for it. They, they said, okay, we have had so many conflicts, so we have had many experiences with aggression and whatever and we would like together not that I put rules but we would like together to find out how it could be a good way to create a safe space mm -hmm. yeah and, and from that point of view it might be worthwhile I mean we do for example we say that the Facebook place is is a place for neighbors to connect with each other organize events to report crime you know if someone had their shed broken into or a bicycle stolen that's the sort of thing you would hear about um, to report lost cats and you know these kind of some of them quite mundane little neighborhood things um, but also quite nice you know quite useful things so during lockdown someone had started a DIY project and then realized he was missing two screws of a particular length and size and posted that on the Facebook group and you know soon after someone else had supplied him with what he needed so it was just a nice way of sharing sharing resources as well um, but yeah, we haven't, we don't have, we don't have any rules. Something for me to think about, but I don't think we need them. Okay. Well, I think this is, this is maybe a top topic for an interesting, another, another day, another call. So very interesting thing. Richard pointed out to me the, the Berlin Code of Conduct, which is quite a good sort of fairly high level rule set. Before we end the call, which is going to be in 10 minutes, I want to illustrate a little bit of village building coaching with Lara. So you'll remember we have these six elements of a village in the city. And uh, on the, the website, on the resources page, you can download the village in the city worksheet, which basically uses a solution focused technique of using scales from one to 10. And I'm gonna demonstrate this now and how this works uh, on one of the aspects with Lara and then you can go on if you want and you can download it for yourself and, and have a go and get involved with other people. Lara uh, uh, and I had a chat and she wants to talk about meeting places. She thinks that something, this is something that, that, that they, could, they could benefit from improving a bit. Is, is that right, Lara? We're on the same Yes, yeah, sure. Right. So imagine a scale from one to 10 about meeting places in your village where 10 is amazingly good and you've got amazing meeting places and one is you've got nowhere to meet at all. Where would you put yourself right now on that scale? Well, if we, we put aside COVID, I would put, put it at a five. Okay, okay, let's put aside COVID. <laughs> that's, that's nice to do, isn't it? Uh, a five on the scale, excellent. So the next step is always, how come it's that high and not lower? What's already working and what do you already have that's getting it up to a five? So what do you have in the way of meeting places? Well, as I, as I mentioned, we are quite lucky in so much as we, we can physically meet on the street. Um, we also have lots of green space nearby as well. So if you have a local park or any green space, that's potentially a, a meeting space as well, whether that's for a, a walk and talk or a picnic um, or a kind of bring and share. So for that type of thing, that works quite well. 
I suppose the challenge, which will be a challenge that, that most people will probably have with meeting spaces indoors, is that they cost money to hire the, the yeah. you know the good places the ones that are best suited okay. to the needs of a, a of a group of people okay. coming so, together so remember we're talking about how come it's a five and not lower at the moment so it's a, it's a what, five because we we do have places that we can meet right what, what places can you use we have we have the bowling club we have the local pub and we have the back shop of the flower shop we also have a local public library which has meeting rooms Right, but these all have drawbacks about cost. And... and they all have drawbacks about cost, that's right. Okay, so now the next question is, what would be the signs you're moving towards one point higher on the scale? So suppose you're making a little progress with your meeting places. What would be the first tiny signs of that? Well, I think it would be great if the community centre or the public library could offer us space without charging for it. That would be fantastic. Um, or if we had a way of raising funds to cover those costs without charging people to participate, that would also be progress. Okay. So, so uh, you're talking about either getting some, maybe, maybe let's talk about the first one, um, approaching the, using the community centre, for example, without paying them for it. What sort of discussion could you have with them about trying to, about, uh, making a new arrangement? Well, I haven't had that conversation recently, but when I did, which was probably over a year ago, um, it didn't look like that was a possibility, just because the council is very strapped for cash and I don't think that's going to change anytime soon. And actually the centre's already very busy because they have activities and classes and so on there. So you're, you're competing with all of that. But that's not to say that we shouldn't, that we shouldn't go back and, and try again. Okay. And the other thing you were talking about was maybe thinking about raising, raising some, thinking about funds streams so that you could afford to pay for them more often. Yeah. I mean, the, we see people all the time doing crowdfunders and that we, might be a way to raise money where people who can afford to can contribute um, and that would subsidise it for those that, that can't afford to contribute and cover the, the cost, the basic costs of hiring space. Yes. Okay. Uh, so, so based on that little short conversation, then, what do you think? What do you think some tiny next steps might be for you to to build in this area of uh, meeting places? Yeah, I mean, I, th I think if we were at the point where we were able to safely meet again, I think a crowdfunder would definitely be a possibility, and I'm I'm pretty sure we'd be quite successful. I'm sure there would be enough people who would be willing to contribute. Um, so that we could cover those basic costs. And I should add that we're not talking about huge sums of money. Um, and one of the great things about, you know, hiring things like a community hall or a church hall um, is that apart from the higher costs, there really aren't any other costs. So all of our events, the neighbours have brought the catering. We haven't paid anyone to, to do provide catering. Um, so it's, the costs are small, but they still, they need to be covered. Right. Okay, so thank you very much, Lara. I hope that's slightly helpful in just a few minutes of conversation. Um, that illustrates this method of what's already working and what's some small next steps of progress. And, and I find this a very, very helpful method. I've written books about using this approach.
is just a little starter to, 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 uh, as a resource to help everyone here uh, start to think through how's your village getting on and, and where's the place to focus. Where's the place to focus? Uh, and thinking about in terms of these six elements, I think it's one way of starting to put around. A few things you can do right now. Go to villageinthecity.net and sign up for new. It's, it's much the best way to keep in touch Please sign up there. I'm running the website. We will not do anything silly with your data. It's all very secure. Um, please sign up for information. I'd just like to say, first of all, thank you very much to Lara for this wonderful uh, presentation and so many, such a rich set of really practical and interesting ideas there. Thank you so much, Lara. Bravo, thank bravo. You. And thank you to your colleagues who've, uh, who've come along as well. Uh, thank you to everybody else for joining us uh, and uh, great to be with you. But I'm going to switch off the recording now and say thank you very much indeed to everyone.